Musical worship. Yeah, so we talked about musical worship, uh, why we do it, um, some of the things that are appropriate while we do it, while we do it, not why we do it. Uh, but some of the reasons why we have musical worship and why we do it on a regular basis, like all the time, uh, is that it's awesome. But specifically, we talked about uh, how it's encouraging for us, but then it's a way for us to connect with God, right? It's ways that we lift high his name and we proclaim, proclaim true things about him through musical form. We also talked about how music helps us actually remember some really important theological and biblical truths because... Um, over time, you remember a melody to a song more quickly than you just remember words written on a page. Remember? You guys remember us talking about those things? This means yes. This means I wasn't here. I don't know. Um, so tonight, as I talked about earlier, we're talking about preaching specifically this time right now where I'm sitting here talking to you guys. As I've studied this passage and me and the Lord spent time together, a, a lot of this actually became more about the word than about this actual time preaching, but we will talk about this uh, as we go. How many times have you been in a time like this where someone's standing in front of you talking and you just have absolutely no clue what they're talking about? Not because they're just saying words you don't understand, but just because you're not, you're not able to pay attention at all. Raise your hand. Yep. All right. Hands down. How many of you are like that right now? Well, you wouldn't know because you're not paying attention. Um, so I've been there. I've been in, in times, probably a lot more times than I should admit, and probably more recently than I should admit, uh, where I'm just, I'm in church, or I'm at a conference or something, and it's no fault to the speaker. They're probably incredible communicators, but my brain is just somewhere else. Well, I was reading an article a couple of days ago that kind of explains some of this, and it's kind of funny, but then also really sad at the same time. Here's the, here's the fact boiled down to this article. All it said a whole bunch of words to say that goldfish, not the big ones, the cool ones, but like the little ones, have longer attention spans than we do. So somehow they figured out, and, and by we I mean American culture, other cultures, I don't know, this was done specifically in America. It used to be a couple of decades ago that the average American attention span was about 12 seconds. Well, a goldfish, their average uh, attention span is nine seconds. Well, recently, within the last year, they've done a study again, and the average American attention span is eight seconds. So a goldfish can pay attention to something one second longer than you can, on average. Isn't that crazy? So that's kind of something that we're battling all the time, right? As you're sitting here right now, like every eight seconds, you're like, hey, what's that over there? Oh, this guy's talking. Hey, what's that over there? Hey, where are you going after this? Like your brain's just kind of everywhere, right? It's one of the ways that the enemy uses to kind of distract us during these times when we could be learning really deep, rich, biblical truths about God and who we are in him. Tonight, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. Go ahead and turn there. 2 Timothy, it's after 1 Timothy. If that helps. Second Timothy chapter three, starting at verse 16. As you're turning there, I'll go ahead and give you guys some of the context. Uh, those who've been here the last couple of weeks, you've started to kind of pick up on this pattern. I usually start out this way, kind of giving you the context of the passage, because you can pull a pa- you know one verse out 
And you can almost make it mean anything in the world if you want to when it's just that one verse. The reason I give you guys the context of these things is because the overall context of the book that we're, we're coming out of and the section that we're coming out of helps you better understand the true meaning of what the writer was talking about, right? So the context here, this is Paul writing to Timothy. So Paul's writing to Timothy. Uh, in case you don't know, Timothy was being mentored by Paul. They were in different places at this point. Uh, Paul most likely uh, in prison. Timothy was uh, pastoring, leading a church somewhere else in the world. And so Paul was writing to him. He wrote two letters to him. We know that because the book we're in now is called Second Timothy, and the one before it's called First Timothy. They were two separate letters. Real hard, really intelligent people figured that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so two letters to Timothy, and all of these letters, he's writing to Timothy to help him figure out certain issues that are going on in the church that Timothy's in, but then also how to be a better pastor, and then just some other basic Christian principles, okay? In this specific uh, section that we're jumping into, Paul is talking about Scripture, this that you're holding in your hands or that's on your phone, Scripture, and then he goes on to talk about preaching specifically. So here we go, verse 16, and we're going to go all the way through uh, chapter 4, verse 2. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So verse 2, uh, quick side note, no extra charge for this. Uh, verse 2, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. A lot of verses in Scripture have multiple meanings, and all of them are correct, and sometimes some are not. But this one has two correct meanings. One He's talking to all of us. We should all be ready at all times to proclaim the gospel. When he says, be ready in season, out of season, to preach, he's talking everyone should be ready to proclaim the gospel. In our specific context, we're talking about preaching this, this particular setting right here, what I'm doing. So right off the bat here, in verse 16, Paul says, All scripture is breathed by God. What does that mean, breathed by God? It's kind of a weird phrase, right? You guys remember in Genesis, those who are familiar with that, in Genesis, whenever God created man, he formed man out of the dust. What's the last thing he did that actually brought man to life? Anyone know? Yeah. He breathed into him. Correct. And so there's something about God's breath that is life-giving. So in the same way that in the beginning, God breathed into man and brought him to life, Hear Paul saying that God breathed into his word. He breathed into scripture. So he's saying that scripture is alive. We see in other places in scripture that the word of God is, uh, is active and it's living. So what does that mean for the word of God to be alive? Well, there's a couple of different answers to that. One Specific, we're, uh, we're going to talk about. Again, in Genesis, you see, besides man, every other thing that God created, how did he do it? 
He just spoke, right? So he said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. Light didn't exist until God said, let there be light. In his words, he didn't do anything. He didn't take any two elements and combine them with his hands or anything. He just spoke. And because he spoke, his creation said, oh, we need to do that. That's the JJ version of that story, not the real version. The version is just, he says, let there be light, and it happens. But the JJ version is creation goes, oh, hey, we should do that. Um, Another instance in the gospel stories, the gospel writers tell the story about Jesus and the disciples crossing a sea in a boat. And as they're crossing it, Jesus is asleep, apparently really hardcore sleeping in the back of the boat. Uh, I guess he had a hard day of, like, healing a bunch of people and preaching sermons and all that kind of thing. So he's, he's in the back of this boat, and he's dead asleep. Not really dead. He's just dead asleep. You know, it's the same. Um, so he's sleeping really hard. The disciples are doing whatever it takes to get this boat going. And while they're out on the sea, this storm comes, and the wind is just crazy blowing the boat back and forth. It creates these waves that are huge. They're almost flipping the boat over, almost capsizing this boat. And the disciples are like, oh, man, we're going to die. And so they're, they go back and they're like, how is Jesus even sleeping? I don't know. And so one of them goes back eventually. And again, this is JJ's version of this story. If you want, you can go and read it for real and see what the Bible says about it. But uh, so these guys go back and they wake up Jesus. And Jesus uh, is perfect. And so he doesn't wake up the same way I do. Like when I wake up, it's like swinging and, and like saying things I shouldn't probably. And I'm mad because you woke me up. Well, Jesus... He's not simple like I am. So he woke up and he's like, well, what's going on, guys? And they're like, dude, we're about to flip over. Like, we're, on, we're almost going to die because of this storm. Uh, they use cool terms like dude in the Bible. I don't know if you saw that or not. That's a joke. Um, and so Jesus says, okay, he gets up. He walks up to the front of this boat. What does he do? You guys know the story? He just, he just sticks his hand out and he goes, peace, be still. And when he says that, Everything calms down. Now, I'm sure in real life it doesn't tell us this. In real life, I'm sure it took like a minute or so, and then the winds just kind of calmed down, and then the waves just kind of got smaller over time, and everything just kind of got calm. But in my mind, I see him go, peace be still, and everything just goes still. Water's like super flat. The sky's clear. Stars are super bright. But either way, the point of the story is that Jesus, who we know is God, right, all he has to do is say, be still. His words invoke a reaction from his creation. So the wind and the waves, they hear their creator say, be still, and they do that. Right? So his word is alive. Well, how do you guys, how do we hear from God today? Well, Jesus isn't in this room with us physically, and so he's not here talking to us. He doesn't ride in boats with us literally, right? So how, how we, the main way that God communicates with us is through his word. And so there, every day you should be digging into his word by yourself. But then there are other instances where we need to be taught. And taught by someone who's spent time digging in and pouring over the scriptures and the Holy Spirit has given them a message to expand on and to tell you these uh, these rich truths. What are some what are some good things that Scripture is good for? Like, what are the reactions that it should invoke in us? Like, what are the responses that we should have to Scripture? Look at look at verse sixteen. 
You guys still with me? You taking notes as we go? See those? Verse 16. So we just talked about Scripture is God-breathed. He says, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof. I had to look that word up because I was like, I think I know what that means, but I don't know. So the actual definition for reproof, uh, it's, it's a, an act of dis, uh, disapproval. So when someone's doing something, you're like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Or your mom's like, hey, stop doing that. Her action, doing that, her correcting you, her disapproval is what reproof is. You're, you're telling someone, hey, you're, you're doing something you shouldn't. Uh, for correction and for training in righteousness. So we're supposed to learn from Scripture, right? It says it's profitable for teaching. And then reproof, it tells us what's wrong, right? So Scripture tells us what's wrong. And then correcting, it tells us how to do it right. And so these are the responses from Scripture that we should get. These words of God, is that as we read it, as someone declares the word, it should, it should show us places that are wrong in our life and then show us how to be correct, how to be righteous. It says that if you read on for training in righteousness. It says that man, uh, so that the man of God, this can also be woman of God, uh, the man or woman of God may be competent, which means you know what's going on, right? Competent, equipped for every good work. The Bible tells you exactly what kind of good works you should be about. The big umbrella, good works you should be about, is proclaiming the gospel and helping the helpless, the hopeless, and the weary, right? So those who can't, who aren't able to uh, help themselves, widows, orphans, things like that. The Bible speaks directly about those sorts of things. So we've learned uh, that Scripture is God's Word. God's Word invokes a response from us and that we should be in God's Word. But what about this time right here that you're like already distracted, clicking pins and like staring at the paper or your phone? Um, this time, why is this important enough that most every church, most every Christian church, has this, these times where you're sitting for 20 or so minutes listening to some guy talk two or three times a week? Why is it so important that we do that? Well, here's good news. You can use the Sunday school answer on this one. You ready? You guys know what the Sunday school answers are? God, Jesus, Bible. He knows the Sunday school answers. So the first answer, if someone says, why do we do, why do we have times that, of preaching? Well, look at verses 1 and 2 here in chapter 4. Paul writing again, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. And so this is kind of like, he's using this really, really strong language. He's saying, in the present, if you were standing in the presence of God, I charge you, I'm challenging you. And he goes on to say, who is the judge, uh, or excuse me, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. And so he's saying all this really big, important things, like if you're standing in the presence of God, I'm telling you right now. Then he says in verse 2, preach the word. So there you go. Oh, light from above. No, um, so here you go. The Bible says to. The Bible says so. So when someone says, why do we have... Why do we have preachers? Why do these guys up here all, every week saying stuff and I'm not really listening to? Well, the Bible says so. The Bible also says you should listen, but that's neither here nor there as far as that goes. Um, so the Bible says so. But even more than that, back to what we were talking about, this God's word invokes a response from us. Just like musical worship is a time that we're connected with God, this is as well. I don't know if you guys have been 
paying attention the last week and this week or even right this second. Um, But whenever I say, when I'm talking about music, I've used the phrase intentionally musical worship. Why do you think that is? Why do I specify musical worship? Anyone? Yep. All right. Donnie, you look like you're like, maybe, I know. Yeah? Well, the answer is there's more than one way, there's more than one form of worship, right? Music is a particular set of worship, and it's important, and it's something that we do regularly. But there are other ways of worship. What are, what are some other forms of worship? Preaching? Yep. Jump the gun? Yep. Good. What's another one? Huh? Dancing, usually involved in, uh, in musical times? Yep. Huh? Singing? Yep. Some other forms of worship? There's one specific one I'm looking for at this point. Reading? Reading. Yeah. That is one, not what I'm looking for, but it is one. You're right. That's the right answer. Huh? Praying. There we go. Yep. I just wanted you to know that praying was important, so I was trying to dig that out of you. So so the, the main forms, there are, there are many, but the main forms of worship, music, preaching, praying, right? So let's move on. He says, in verse 2, he goes on, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. We talked about what that is. And here's this list again that's really similar to the one before. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so, again, he's talking about the Word of God does all of these things. So as speakers of the Word, we should be about these things, too. We should be helping people understand, because of what we've learned in the Scriptures, what's not right and what is right. Does that make sense? So what do we do with this? What's the point? So here in this room, you're sitting here on this carpet, playing with pens, looking at a Bible. What's your role in all of this? To just sit here and listen? Yep. Sit here and listen and understand? Well, a part of it is to sit here and listen, but... Another part of it is there's this response, as I've talked about, as God's word is proclaimed, as God speaks his word, his creation, we are a part of his creation, right? This means yes? Yep. We are a part of his creation. So whenever his word is proclaimed, his creation responds. His word, when it's truly heard by his creation, demands a response. And so if you're here in this room and you're actually listening, you're actually tuned in to what's being said about God's Word and from God's Word, there's some form of response that you have to take. In technical technical terms, we call that the application. There's usually something in the message that causes you to think about your life, think about something that you're doing right or wrong, and to do that better or to change and move away from the thing that you're doing wrong, right? Right? how to be more righteous, how to be more holy as God is holy. Some practical things to do. One is to take notes. So you guys, I've given you some kind of brief outline notes of what I'm talking about tonight. Not everyone does that, and I'm I'm probably not even going to continue to do that for whatever reason. Uh, some people give that to you. Ron 
in the uh, blended services, he gives you those. Rob gives you just like a section. You can freeform, do whatever you want. Uh, but it's a good idea to take notes. If you're actually taking notes and you're actually looking for the answers to those, you probably listen tonight better than you have the last two weeks. Because there's something in your brain as you connect writing down of something, and you're actually listening to write something down. So you're paying attention more often. And as we said earlier, your attention span is really short, and so I lost you guys like 10 minutes ago. Um, your attention span is really short, but as you're taking notes... Whenever you write something down, your brain is re-engaged. You're resetting that attention span. Does that make sense? So one thing you can do to help you stay engaged, listening to God's Word so that you can have a response and you can worship God through learning more about Him is to take notes. Another one is, as we've talked about a couple of times already, distractions abound. There are a million things that you can be distracted by. I'm distracted by things that aren't even like something to be distracted by. Like, I've stared at that fire uh, deal like four times already while I'm preaching, so I'm already distracted for myself. Um, So there's all kinds of things around you, but the thing to do is to pay attention to the things around you enough to see what distracts you on a regular basis. So if, if using your phone as a Bible ends up actually being a distraction, then maybe you should bring a physical Bible and not your, your phone as a Bible. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't bring your phone as a Bible I use an iPad a lot, but the thing is, is it can tend to be a distraction. Or if, if your friend like constantly like passes you notes and stuff, you can be like, "Hey, we're not friends." Anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Stay friends with people, uh, but you can just like, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention and hear something from God." So like, "Hey, let's just talk afterwards." So you do things like that to, as much as possible, limit distractions because the enemy likes to throw these distractions at you. So that you don't hear the word of God. Because he knows when you hear the word of God, you're going to respond. And you're going to do so in worship to God. Right? So you can take notes. Limit distractions. uh, And the last thing is to actually make it important. So the things in your life, whether you say so or not, the things in your life that are important to you are the things that you pay attention to. You might say that studying for, like, a test is important to you. But if you don't actually do that, then obviously it's not very important to you at all. So in the same way, if hearing from God is important to you, you should actually make an attempt to do so. You should make an attempt to, as much as possible, every day study on your own. As much as possible, be in small groups. As much as possible, be in settings like this where someone is trying to help you understand God's Word. And so the main, the main three takeaways uh, from this is that there are lots of other things to help you, but the main three to just start with, take notes. Bring paper. There are notes on your phone. Again, if, that can't be, if that's not too distracting, take notes. Another thing that that helps you with is later, a couple of days later, you can bring those notes back up and you can look over those things again, and it brings all that back to your memory and it actually helps you remember it long-term because you've seen it more than once. Make sense? So take notes, limit distractions, and make it important. Don't just see it as a time that I have to sit on this rug and listen to this guy who makes a lot of stupid jokes. But just see it as a time that I'm, I'm trying to help you guys see something that God has said. Ron and Rob and Britton, whenever they speak, same thing. They're trying to help you understand something in God's Word.